and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And so the show, we're talking about getting money from the bank for flipping houses. Now, this is something we've had so many questions about from one particular YouTube follower, which is really cool, who's asked, does the bank give out loans to flip houses? Question mark, question mark, question mark. They really want to know. So we're <laughs> going to cover this today. Can you get money from the bank? so you can go out and flip a house. Now, just to explain exactly what we mean by flipping, flipping is different from renovating a house and then holding it over the long term, renting it out. By flipping, we mean purchasing a property, doing it up, and then selling it back within the next six to 12 months kind of time frame. So purchasing a property, doing it up, and then reselling it very, very quickly. Now, what is interesting is that flipping is on the decline at the moment. So about 2.1% of houses sold over the last 12 months were flips. That's down from about 6%, just over 6%, up only around five years ago. So while flipping does appear to be on the decline, there are still a core of active property investors out there who make their living flipping houses. So we want to cover that today. Now, Andrew, we had a bit of an argument, a bit of contention about this, about whether a bank would do this or not. So let me ask you this. Does the bank give out money or allow borrowers to borrow money in order to flip houses? So the short answer is yes. The long answer is it can be quite complicated. And this was where Ed's bone of contention came and he challenged me and I had to ring in a panel of mortgage brokers to prove him wrong. And then in his mind, he'll still justify it that he was kind of right. So you can get money from the bank, but they don't like doing it. And the reason banks don't like doing it is they're charging an interest rate that gives them a return over 30 years. So on a 30-year loan term, and you pay it off faster than that, but they're making their money lent out work for them because at a lower interest rate than someone that might specialise in this type of finance because they know that you're going to be a client for a long period of time. Whereas if you buy and sell a property within a few months, they're only getting, say, 4.5%, but only for that few months, and it kind of isn't worth it to them because there's a whole lot of cost to actually acquiring a client from a bank's perspective. So you can, but it is a little bit tricky. This is where sometimes in the property investors chat group, you see a lot of comments about this, and there will be instances where your bank might not actually do that for you because they don't want to be lending money for short-term loans. And there are other options. If you can't get your money from the bank, you could go to, say, a non-bank lender. So we're just going to talk through some of the different options and the pros and cons of each. Now, firstly, let's talk about non-bank lenders such as Basecorp or Avanti. Basecorp, a particularly popular choice for, for investors who are buying and selling properties, flipping properties like this. The positives well, you get to borrow the money. The downside, the cons, so it tends to be much more expensive than a bank. So you're probably going to pay a 7 to 10% interest rate in some cases, and you're going to pay an application fee, and often legal fees, so you'll pay their legal fees as well. So the application fee can range from between 1% and 2%, generally speaking, and that's of the mortgage amount. So if you borrow a million dollars to do a flip, then it's probably going to be a $10,000 to $20,000 fee. Now, let's talk about some other ways to fund these things. So if you've got a whole bunch of cash, so you've sold some investment properties and you've got cash in the bank, that's another way you can do it. The great part about this is you don't have to actually 
go and apply for the money. So it's really, really straightforward. You can go and buy a property at auction. You can get stuck into the work straight away because you've got the cash to do it. And of course, your finance cost, which is probably going to be you know a significant cost towards this, is nothing. That's a great positive. In terms of the cons, you actually have to have that money. And you know, if you're talking about a property in Auckland, you probably are a million dollar entry and you probably are a 50 to 100 grand investment in the renovations. So you've got to have serious cash to be able to do that. That's probably the only negative. In terms of a main bank, so let's cover off the main bank, what you'd have to do there. The pros, uh, you, you obviously get lower funding costs, so 4.5%, say, floating interest rate. And generally speaking, you might not pay much of an establishment fee. It might be $500 or something like that. Just remember, if you're going to apply with a bank and get a cash back, a cash contribution, you're probably going to have to pay that back. So I suggest just don't take it in the first place. The negative is you're obviously going to have to work with your bank to make sure that this works as a normal rental. So what I mean by that is to be able to fund a flip with your bank, you have to have adequate equity. So that's 40% usable equity as your deposit for the investment because it's an existing property, plus the funds for your renovations. And then, of course, the bank's going to look at that and say, okay, what's the normal rent for that property in its current state? And if that's $600 a week, for example, they're going to see whether or not you can service it. Whereas some of these other funders, your exit strategy can be to sell the property. And if they feel like the market's buoyant enough that that shouldn't be a problem, or that you'd be able to refinance it because you've doubled your rent from $600 to $1,200 a week by doing the renovations, then they'll give you the money and they'll probably do a much better LVR. The other way that you can flip houses, and this is something that I did a lot of when I was flipping, is actually do the renovations before you settle the property. So what we would sometimes do is get a deferred settlement and we would say, okay, well, it's empty at the moment, so we want a settlement of three months. We've got the money for the renovations. We're going to get stuck in and do the renovations before we settle it, and then we can settle it complete with a bank, or we can sell it straight away, and you can sell it contemporaneously so the new purchaser buys a completed product on the day that I settle the property that I bought, which I've now done the renovations to. So that's kind of a bonus one. The pro to that is you never even have to have the money other than the renovations. You don't have to have anything. You, you have to pay, oh, you suppose you have to pay a deposit to hold the property. The negative is it can be a little bit risky because, of course, you're going into the property and you're putting your money into it. If you got to a, a situation where you couldn't settle the property, you couldn't sell it, then you might have that money down the drain. Similarly, if for some reason the vendor, the seller of the property couldn't discharge that property because they hadn't structured that correctly, that could be quite complicated. You'd have to sue them afterwards, but that could get quite messy. Great. So now let's transition across and also talk about, let's say that you did decide to go down that non-bank lender route because perhaps your main bank decided they didn't want to fund it how you might use a mixture of funding streams in order to make your house work or make this flip work. So the example I've got in front of me is a million dollar property, so probably in Auckland, and let's say you're planning for a six month renovation. So you need a million dollars to purchase the property. And what you might do is get 600k financed through a non-bank lender. So for example, like your base corp, and then what you might do is get 400k financed through a main bank, but secured against properties you already own. So one example of that might be you've got your own home, you've got a whole heap of usable equity in there, might knock up a revolving credit of say 400k so that you've got that money there, you can take it out. Now let's go through and talk about the different fees you'd pay because you've got 
a million dollar property that you want to buy, 600K comes from the non-bank lender, 400K comes from the main bank. So your non-bank lender, let's go through the fees that Andrew said. Cool, 1% of the total amount borrowed. So that's going to cost you 6K. On top of that, let's say it is a 7% interest rate for six months. So that's the equivalent of 3.5% of your 600K. So that's 21K. So we're up to about $27,000 worth of fees from your non-bank lender. And then, of course, you've got your other 400K from your main bank. Now, that might be 4.5% interest rate, again, at six months, so that's 9K. So in total, your financing costs going through the non-bank lender in this instance might be about $36,000 over that six-month period. Now, the risk you've got to just manage as a flipper is making sure that you're not going to have to borrow for more than that six-month period because every month added on top of that is an extra couple of thousand dollars worth of interest costs and financing costs that you're going to need to pay in those instances. So that's a good example of where you might use a range of funding streams in order to get the money to purchase the property. And the one thing we hadn't included here actually as well, Andrew, is money for the renovations, money to fund what you're actually going to do to the property over that time frame. And actually, just one thing I want to add in there. So revolving credit, if you are using a bank, is a great way of doing this. If you've got tons of usable equity, set up a revolving credit, and then the bank will feel comfortable that you're buying and trading properties, but you don't have to re-document that loan. So the great thing is when the sale proceeds come in, you can pay back that revolving credit, and then you can go and draw that money out again at will. So that's actually a much better way of getting this sort of thing set up. If you don't have that kind of usable equity, if you're kind of stretching yourself and you do need to use that property, Properties as a security of the bank, you're probably only going to be able to do a couple of these before the bank's going to get a bit frustrated. And in fact, even using a broker, because these can be complex deals, you have to use a broker. Now, brokers get paid from the bank, but they also are subject to clawback. So if you repay a loan within usually 24 months, give or take, the broker's commission gets repaid. So in the event that you are doing a flip, chances are your broker will charge you a fee. So you do need to factor that in as well. So normally that would be a few thousand dollars or something like that, or maybe, you know, half a percent or maybe a little bit more depending on the complexity of it. I remember when I was a broker, I wouldn't do it unless I was charging a 1% fee just because the amount of time that goes into this type of deal can usually absorb much more than just doing a regular investor loan. And actually, one of the big things here, as Ed alluded to before, is the time. I've seen lots of people who expect to sell their property a lot faster than they do, and they don't factor in things like the marketing time with the agent, or the fact that maybe actually they don't sell it the first time around if they're auctioning it off or something like that, or someone can't settle for, say, three months, the top price, but they can't settle for another three months. And so one way that you can control or at least mitigate that risk is by getting stuck in prior to settlement if possible, but also making sure that you're just doing cosmetic work. So if you do anything that requires council sign-off, you can basically expect it to be at least a six-month project. And that's where I'd say that's probably a big reason why there's been a lot of slowdown in flipping properties because councils are so backlogged with new construction that consent to reclatter property, for example, because it's leaky, can just take a year. And obviously the other benefit of going down the revolving credit path is that your funding costs are going to be something like 2.5%, maybe 3.5% lower depending on how it's all structured. And so there is a cost saving benefit to that as well. But how likely is it that your bank would let you have a million dollar revolving credit sitting there, Andrew? 
it's pretty unlikely nowadays. You probably have to have a bit of a track record. So if you've seen someone that's been in the investment game for a number of years, then you're probably more likely to get that than just someone who's got a regular job and does the odd flip. Because the banks under the Responsible Lending Code need to know that you're actually using that money for what you're saying. So you can't get a million dollar revolving credit and then go put it on the horses. So they want to make sure that, okay, well, there is actually going to be a sale and purchase here. This person is going to use the money for what they said they're going to and it's probably considered irresponsible to give a revolving credit of that amount nowadays. And the other thing I want to just dig into is, well, how do these non-bank lenders like your base corps assess these mortgages? Because I understand that it's a bit different from the way a normal bank or a main bank would, Andrew. Oh, they're very pragmatic. No, so the way the way it works when it comes to... <laughs> do you like that? For, that's, that's for the long-time a- listeners. Yeah, it's a nerdy joke. That's an inside joke. Yeah, if you don't get the joke, you need to listen to all 800 again. Basically, the way someone like a base court works is they, they want to know what the exit strategy is. So they don't care so much about the servicing side of things. They don't care so much around the deposit. They have certain criteria, but it would not be uncommon for them to lend, say, 80% on a project. And sometimes they'll even lend you the renovation costs. I know some investors in Christchurch who have bought in the earthquake damage properties, the as is properties properties have lent you know a hundred and something percent because they've got a project valuation saying okay well this is going to be worth let's say eight hundred thousand when it's finished the purchase price is five hundred thousand and the renovations are going to be fifty thousand dollars so someone like Basecorp might look at that and say this person has a proven track record we'll give them a hundred percent but that's only going to be the few people rather than the masses so they're not really so concerned about your ability to service this long term they want to know your exit strategy is okay you're going to be able to come comfortably sell this at the end. Often some of these places will have preferred valuers because they know that if a valuer says X amount that they'll get that on any day of the week rather than just a good day with a headwind. And I guess the other thing they'll look at is can you fund it with a normal bank afterwards if you aren't able to sell it? And that's probably just, you know, you as an investor, as a flipper, still want to know that as well. One question that I get asked a little bit is can I use my income from flipping as uh, servicing if I am going with a bank? The answer is no. So I know that I'm working with some investors at the moment and they make a good chunk of their money through flipping houses. They might do one or two a year, but that contributes quite a large amount to their household income. Now, that income is not income from a bank's perspective. However, someone like a base corp is likely to take that into consideration. And the other thing I just mentioned before we wrap up, Andrew, is that These non-bank lenders are very, very focused on the security of the property. They want to make sure that they are going to be able to sell that. And so you're much more likely to be able to get your finance approved if you're in one of the main centres as opposed to in Tokoroa or Waitomo, a smaller population area where there just aren't as many purchases out there buying houses and therefore it takes longer to sell those properties. So if you are in one of the main centres, you're more likely to get that approved. But the trouble with non-banks is that a lot of it is made on a case-by-case basis. They look at the property, they look at the deal, they look at the person bringing the deal. And so it's not like there are so many hard and fast rules that we can give you that if you've got 2.5 years experience and you've been involved in 1.75 conversions or flips, then you're going to be okay. It is going to be that case-by-case basis where you use that mortgage broker. But this should give you a good sense of what it takes in order to flip a property and get the money for it. 
Hey, look, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get that message out to more people. And hey, make sure you come along to our webinar. It's on next Tuesday, the final one for the year, 7 p.m. Tuesday, the 14th of December, because we are talking about our predictions and forecasts for the next 12 months in property. It is going to be a banger. Hope to see you there. Tap or swipe over the cover up. There'll be a link in the show notes or just sign up at opuspartners.co.nz slash webinar. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.